composability, yeah. a beautiful thing. Everyone ready? Let's do it. All right. I think I'll call an edit right away. I completely blank on what I was going to say. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Beam Radio. Welcome to Beam Radio. My name is Lars Wiekman, and I am happy to introduce our lovely panel of hosts. I'll have to start with Alex Kutmos. Howdy, howdy. And following that, we have Steven Nunez. Hello. And since Bruce is still on a boat, we are going to be saying, please check out Groxio, our, that are sponsors of this podcast. They are career fuel for programmers, but the only thing we know about what they're currently working on is staying afloat because they're out at sea. Go check them out. Make sure they have money for fuel. Make sure we get them back. With that, we should probably go right ahead and introduce our guests. So... I went out on the on the old personal network and looked around for people that could speak to RabbitMQ streams. And from the RabbitMQ folks, we have uh, two gentlemen that might want to introduce themselves. Arnaud, would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm uh, Arnaud and I'm on the RabbitMQ core team. Uh, where I worked on client libraries and some um, parts of the broker, including streams. Welcome aboard. And we also have Carl. Hello, I'm Carl. Um, I'm also a, a member of the RabbitMQ core team. And um, yes, up with Arno, we've been working on, on streams for quite some time now. And uh, before that, I was working on another sort of Quite substantial component of RabbitMQ, the um, the Quorum queue and the RabbitMQ Raft implementation. That sounds like some serious stuff. Quorums and Raft is the easy topics of computer science, I hear. Yeah, I guess <laughs> easy-ish. Okay, so either of you that wants to take this away, could you briefly introduce RabbitMQ streams and what they are? Oh no, would you like to take this one? <laughs> yeah, sure. This is usually where I I come in. So um, streams are a new type of data structure in RabbitMQ. So um, the usual data structure in a in a broker like RabbitMQ is a queue. Uh, so streams are quite uh, different uh, from queues because um, they have what we call non-destructive consumer semantics. So when you uh, read from a queue. So the standard stuff. Uh, so when you read from a queue, you remove messages. Um, so we say that uh, reading is actually a destructive uh, operation. With streams, it's different. So um, streams uh, model uh, nap-and-only log. And when you read from them, you don't destruct anything. You just read like in a book, uh, like in a, a log file. Uh, so this is very different from the semantics that we have for years or even uh, a decade uh, uh, in, in RabbitMQ. So it's quite a, uh, an important milestone in RabbitMQ, a very different type of uh, data that we can offer to the users. Yeah, that's a, that's a good summary. One thing I would like to add to that, though, is that... Um... Uh, I know I said a decade, but um, actually yesterday, which is would be would have been the eighth of February, uh, it was RabbitMQ's fifteenth birthday. Uh, something that's worth mentioning, perhaps, uh, of the first release of RabbitMQ. That is, so it's fifteen years that we've had queues, and now we got streams. Congratulations! Well, awesome. Happy birthday, RabbitMQ! Yeah, here's to fifteen more years with streams, and then we'll see what comes next. I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, so to the listeners out there who might not be familiar, so RabbitMQ, I've run into RabbitMQ way before I ran into the Beam, uh, something I, I used myself, uh, just because I wanted some kind of reliable queuing. And it uh, turns out uh, RabbitMQ is built on Erlang. So 
yeah, that that's sort of the background for why RabbitMQ ends up in the Beam Radio podcast. Uh, it's an interesting project. And when I saw that uh, RabbitMQ was launching streams, so there was a fair bit of fanfare when, when it came out, I had some announcements. I definitely took notice because I've heard of, I haven't actually run Kafka myself, but I've heard that Kafka is a nightmare to run. And I've heard uh, mostly good things about running Rabbit. So my thinking was, it seems likely that RabbitMQ streams is probably a lighter weight approach than using Kafka and seems to cover similar use cases. Uh, Steven, maybe you can touch on your experiences using RabbitMQ because I know, <laughs> I know you've held uh, trainings involving RabbitMQ. So yeah, yeah. So uh, Sophie and I uh, would teach sort of an event-driven um, uh, Greenfield Elixir event-driven sort of uh, system design course at, uh, over the gears, and we usually leaned on Rabbit. And one of the things that we uh, one of the reasons we leaned on Rabbit, which is why I'm really excited about streams, is that we already had Rabbit where we were, and we're using it for just some background jobs, and um, we're able to then upgrade what we used it for to then handle this event messaging bus. We built the course around it, and it was really great. Um, I think when we were originally building it, we said, well, maybe something like a persistent stream would have been what we wanted, um, and we were trying to get Kafka in, but like all things in tech, there's part argument and then part political, we couldn't get you know someone to take on the, I'll say the burden of managing a Kafka cluster for us to build this event-driven stream, so our event-driven bus. Um, so we went with Rabbit, but we really, really did want streams. And um, that's kind of one of the reasons why I was really excited to get new, get wind that streams were built into Rabbit now and that we had the option of using it because it's such a powerful tool the destructive action of the messages does require that if you need to save these messages, you've got to sort of subscribe to the fire hose and save them yourself and then put them in long-term storage. So it adds a lot of overhead that you, and I'll do this in the heaviest of air quotes for the listeners, for free in Kafka. Uh, and now to get this in Rabbit is incredible. So um, I think this is a huge win. I think it's really incredible. I, one thing I want to get around to talking about is... Um, the big thing is not having destructive actions in um, when consuming messages. Obviously, the PR was a bit bigger than if if type stream do not destroy messages. I want to hear sort of some of the underlying changes that we made because not only do streams exist, they're incredibly performant. Um, can you guys talk about that some? Like, what were some of the, the fundamental changes to Rabbit and, and just how we interact with messages? Um, what's changed and what had to change under the covers? You want me to open on that, Arno? Yeah, sure, go ahead. So quite a few things. Not so much changed, but streams kind of form pretty much their own little subsystem inside on RabbitMQ. They are they are a first-class integration into RabbitMQ. They are first-class queue type. They uh, appear as a queue. Uh, you know, they fill the same slot inside RabbitMQ. But internally, they look very different from what the queue. I mean, I, I, I suppose they look more similar to what um, what quorum queues look like with the with the rafts uh, replication protocol. But the main difference for, with streams is that each stream will have will um, not rely on distributed Erlang for its replication, like everything else inside RabbitMQ. But instead, they will open up their own sockets um, to replicate. Um, the data. What kind of performance changes did you see there, right? Because I think the, the default is to sort of like lean on uh, EPMD for, you know, cross node communication, taking that layer off, what, what were you able to see? Um, yeah, I mean, so, so we developed streams initially completely separately, uh, and it is still the, the core uh, facilities or the core code in, 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 of streams is in the um, Osiris library in the RabbitMQ. GitHub repository, which you're quite welcome to to check out. That's where we implement all the sort of the, the core functionality of streams. So you can create a stream, so a distributed stream, and you can interact with it. You can read the log, you can write the log, you do all those things. Um, the only thing that Osiris doesn't do is that it it doesn't sort of 
handle any of the leader election uh, side of things. Um, that's all implemented inside RabbitMQ. But um, so, yeah, I mean, we could see, I don't know, over a single stream, we could see throughput of where RabbitMQ, a single Quorum queue could do something like 20, 30,000 messages per second. We could suddenly do 500,000 or, or a million messages per second of, of the same same kind of size. Um, so the core component itself has a, has a substantial sort of efficiency benefit. Um, but that's not where all the efficiency come from. It's important to note. If you use, and which you can, and it's, it's supported, use uh, streams over the AMQP protocol, or the default AMQP 091 protocol that RabbitMQ still uses, um, you will see a, a performance improvement, but it won't be anything like what the what you would get through our dedicated stream protocol, uh, which is a separate protocol with a separate set of clients, many in progress, uh, that uh, Arno was uh, doing. I don't know if you want to sort of talk a little bit about the stream protocol and how we sort of gain benefit from that. Yes, yeah, so um, we developed this specific protocol. Uh, for streams. Um, so this is uh, another part where uh, we gain a lot of uh, performance. Carl mentioned that we are not using the Erlang uh, replication, I mean, communication between nodes for replication in, in streams. So that's one place. We have also uh, uh, the, the storage layer is optimized in some other ways. And we have also so this protocol uh, with MQP091, we have limitations. It's more uh, of a generic or uh, general purpose uh, protocol. So we developed this kind of simpler stream protocol with um, only, only what we needed. And uh, a lot again of uh, places where we can uh, get faster compared to MQP. Uh, so we use uh, batching a lot, for example, for publishing and for consuming, uh, that kind of uh, techniques that we could not use uh, in um, with MQP. So basically, when you um, publish messages, for example, so it can be like a thousand of messages at once with one in inside one frame of the protocol. Uh, once these messages uh, reach the um, um, the, the, the broker, uh, they go immediately on disk. There's no analysis. We don't check errors or that kind of things. So it's uh, super fast. Uh, and when we consume messages, we actually, again, get messages directly, almost, I mean, directly from the file system to the client. Okay, so we use uh, uh, system calls like send file uh, to uh, just push uh, some uh, part of the storage directly to the socket um, and send it to the client. So we actually dispatch, we can dispatch like uh, a couple of thousands of messages at once in, in one frame. Whereas we cannot, we, we cannot do that with MQP. So the protocol is really uh, very, uh, very important to the performance what we can get uh, with streams compared to regular queues. Uh, so just thing, uh, one thing I want to clarify. Uh, so there's AMQP, which is the existing protocol in RabbitMQ. And now there's a new protocol specific for streams. And it sounds like with AMQP, you can already start leveraging streams, even if perhaps in your language or runtime, uh, you know, an implementation of this new protocol is not available. So it, uh, I'm guessing that was on purpose that it gives people an easy migration path where you know maybe one day uh, you know they're using AMQP all of a sudden there's a client library available and they can just kind of make that switch and just start using streams kind of effortlessly is that kind of the uh, the idea there? Kind of uh, it's just that we've uh, we can we provide the stream semantics with both AMQP and the stream protocol, okay, uh, but the APIs. Uh, on the client side are usually not the same. You have an MQP091 client with some API and you will typically have uh, a stream client with another API, even if it's the same language, okay? Uh, 
so it could be possible actually to have some kind of abstractions to have the same API, but it could be maybe a bit awkward. Uh, but but we uh, really wanted to provide, uh, I mean, yeah, to, to let people use streams um, with the regular, I mean, uh, libraries that are used to, uh, so with MQP. And also we wanted to provide, uh, I mean, the best we could provide uh, for, for, for streams, so with a custom protocol and some custom libraries. The, the thing is we have to develop now these libraries. Uh, so we have a, a few of them, uh, I mean, the, that we maintain in our team. And we have also contributions. Uh, I mean, we saw a couple of, I mean, a few uh, libraries uh, that some people uh, contributed. Yeah, so um, one, one sort of immediate use case for streams for, for existing users of RabbitMQ would, would be pretty much what something like what what Stephen kind of mentioned, where you have like you're using RabbitMQ and queues for processing, which are, queues are great for 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 your day-to-day -day processing. You can have multiple consumers, you can compete over the messages in the queue and and you know once you're done with them, they get removed. So there's no lesser risk of duplicate processing and things like that. So queues are great. They provide lots of facilities, lots of features. But in addition to that, if you wanted a historical record of what you what your business queue, for example, uh, has had, you could bind uh, a stream to to that exchange as well. So every message you publish will go to a queue for processing and a stream for archiving kind of thing. So that would be a sort of almost invisible kind of use case that you could you could sort of leverage straight away um, with streams and maybe move into more stream processing type of things uh, at a later date. That's really nice. So it sounds like there's a few migration paths for, for current RabbitMQ users if they want to start leveraging uh, streams. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, we, we published a few um, uh, a few blog posts on our uh, blog. And there's one uh, about interoperability between streams and queues. And it shows, these blog posts shows some examples or you, with, you can actually seamlessly adopt streams. Um, so, for example, you can keep publishing uh, the same way as usual with your regular publishers and uh, your regular client libraries, and you just actually uh, add a, a binding um, to a stream. So it means that all it's like a wiretap, for example, all your uh, uh, messages are now going to the regular queues. Uh, but they also go to a stream. And then here on, on this stream, you can plug uh, a new consumer to do some analytics or get all the messages or whatever you want to do. Um, so it can be a good way to not start a, a data lake, but something like that, if you want to experiment, uh, it's almost um, for free uh, an exchange and uh, playing with your uh, new toy, with your stream and uh, your, your new library. But, um, yeah, another this is so cool. Way to try. Yeah. This is so cool. I, I just really love that. I just keep going back to the idea that this is essentially upgrading something that is already being used for some use in so many places. And then now we have this incredibly powerful, um, I guess, paradigm of processing messages, um, storing them long term. This is solving so many problems and opening up so many more um, avenues for leveraging Rabbit. Um, Again, to bring up Sophie and I, we did a talk called, um, oh, geez, I'm going to butcher the name of it. I'll put it in the show notes. It's something like bringing a Ferrari to a, I don't know, like a, a soapbox race or something like that. And it's about this idea that we're, we have this incredibly powerful tool in enterprise called RabbitMQ that's sometimes used and thrown, you know, just used for like some background jobs, like nothing sort of special. And then you actually lean on all of its capabilities. It's really incredible between that and the clustering and the high availability and um, so I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of listeners right now have Rabbit in-house and are just using a fraction of what it can do. Um, I had a question about clients. Uh, what, what, as of, I guess, February 9th, 2022, what clients support streams now, rise of right now? That's probably me, Carl, right? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm the client guy, I guess. Uh, yeah, you're the client guy. <laughs> so, uh... Uh, there's the um, Java client, so the stream Java client, um, which is, I guess, the most advanced uh, library, so kind of the reference 
uh, implementation of the stream protocol. So um, we've been building it at the same time as the, the server side. So basically we are creating the, the protocol and implementing the, 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 the server adapter and the client, the Java client at the same uh, time. Um, and we also work in the team uh, on, a, on a .NET client and a Go client. So this is what we would like to, um, uh, I mean, kind of uh, provide um, and maintain in our team. And um, we know that there are over uh, effort to um, uh, provide some stream libraries. So I guess in Python, in Erlang as well. So there's a, an Erlang implementation with, which is called Lake, if I remember correctly, but um, I mean, Personally, I'm not familiar with it. Uh, something interesting on the client side is that uh, we kind of change, we try to change the, uh, the way that we uh, provide client APIs to um, our users. So um, with the AMQP uh, client, we have kind of a low level API where you have all the details. Uh, so, we, we don't have much choice in, um, in MQP. There are, uh, uh, there's a lot of details in MQP, like channels and confirm and all that stuff. Uh, but anyway, sometimes people just want to, you know, uh, publish safely a message and uh, then consume messages. And it, it, with low-level um, uh, APIs, so when I mean, uh, when I say uh, low-level, I mean some kind of, uh, you know, uh, language mapping to the to the uh, protocol. Uh, so this is what I call a, a low-level uh, API. So this is what we have uh, for most of our clients in, in the RabbitMQ ecosystem, just mappings between a language and um, the protocol. So we uh, actually try to avoid that with the new uh, stream client. So uh, that's at least what we tried in the in the stream Java client and the over a couple of I, men I mentioned. So Go and um, .NET. So we still have this low level part where we uh, use just you know we we have, we provide the, the methods functions for the protocol uh, commands. But we wrap that uh, around a higher level API where you just have a producer and a consumer and that's it. So you, uh, as a developer, you don't handle all the details like uh, um, uh, batching when you publish. So your uh, client library will just, uh, you know, accumulate messages that you, um, that the user wants to publish. And once you have enough, um, it's gonna actually send them all in one frame. You don't see that as uh, a, a developer, as a user, you just publish messages. And that's the same thing for uh, consuming. You don't know that you are gonna have through the network one frame with like a thousand messages. You just see the messages one by one all that details. So, and you don't really deal with also all the details of publish confirms, for example. Um, uh, this is quite low level, uh, sometimes difficult to handle. Um, and we have all of this in the MQP091 clients, uh, but we avoided this in the new stream libraries. Uh, yeah, so that's one detail so, uh, that, uh, it's, uh, that is worth mentioning in the new uh, client libraries. Yeah, so from my memories of using AMQP clients, they, they tend to have a fair number of, of options and configurability and lots of, lots of potential details. And uh, it sounds like these are slightly more opinionated libraries and more uh, ideally smoother abstractions on top of stream. Yeah, exactly. They are a bit more opinionated and configuration based. So uh, again, if you, uh, if you uh, want to batch a lot, you just set, you know, the number of messages that you want to fit in one frame, uh, that kind of things. Um, and we try to hide indeed some details uh, of even of the, the protocol. Um, in the stream Java, uh, in the Java client, in the stream Java client, you still, I mean, the user still have access to uh, the low level API, 
that's a big that's a big class with all the frames i mean all the commands and it's uh, it's public uh, for example so people can use it if they want but the documentation mentioned that you know the api can change at any time so the api to use in this library is the higher level api for example uh, so we yeah we try to change this in the new uh, libraries because as you said the mqp protocol provides a lot of options and sometimes people don't really need them and they don't want to understand them they just want to publish and consume so i don't know if you all actually track sort of the the competition such as kafka and i haven't used kafka i bet i have at least one host who has because that just statistically someone has to have uh, and i see alex smiling so i bet it's him uh, but would you say from from your understanding of kafka is rabbitmq streams uh pretty much drop-in replacement feature and functionality wise or is it a simpler easier to work with replacement for some of the features that where would you say that it's sort of positioned comparatively i think it's um i think it's probably the latter right right now um is it a drop-in replacement no it's not drop-in replacement in any way firstly we don't implement the kafka protocol um some of the semantics are different internally we don't have certain features or or, or the, that, that kafka has um all the kind of stream processing stuff that kafka provides we we don't we don't provide that at the moment and it's you know we, we're kind of seeing what people actually want from from rabbitmq what you do get from streams of rabbitmq is a first class integration with a with a with a proper messaging system um with, with queues you know with, with all those um things that kind of sort of you need you need if you if you want to do messaging in your infrastructure um and yes it does probably cover a lot of existing kafka use cases um because i suspect that a lot of the kafka use cases in in practice are relatively simple they just want that log of uh, of data that they can just traverse and you know in their own own time and and and, and do stuff with um without it sort of disappearing or, and things like that now you know we can de definitely cover those use cases but can we can we compete in feature sets with kafka right now no we can't but this is our version of of streaming right this is our this is what we want to do and uh, we have more features coming um things that kafka provides like consumer groups and things like that we are working on but um yes for right now it's it's probably covering a subset it sounds also like it might be covering the 80-20 subset for that is covering most use cases uh, with the small amount of like the small feature set that most people use. Yeah, we're definitely user driven in what how this is going to evolve from now on. It's all based on the feedback we get from our customers, from open source users. And how has initial feedback been? Has it been well received? Yeah, people are excited about it, whether people have actually got to the stage where they're actually in a substantial production use at, uh, quite yet. That's that's another question. We don't see certainly not a lot of support coming in from, from that, but people are using it. And, we, and we're leveraging it ourselves to develop features for RabbitMQ internally. So additional commercial features, for example, that that weren't possible before, at least not in, in this way. So, yeah good so far I, yeah, I was gonna kind of plus one what you said i uh, i've seen kafka in two different companies that i've worked at before and i don't think i've ever seen anyone actually leverage uh, ksql which is the uh, you know the streaming compute thing it's uh, it's it's a it's a nifty feature i think i read the kafka streams in action book from uh, from manning way back when but i have yet to see it in production so i like how you guys focused on what use cases are probably the most popular, which is like you said, you know, you just want a, a log of the the messages uh, that are coming into the system and really, really optimizing for the that use case and making it really easy to, to get started. And integrating it with the existing RabbitMQ facilities, right? So exchanges, you can bind exchanges to it and, and get it sort of making it part of your messaging topology. We're not interested in just copying another system, right? That's not what we're doing here. We, we do, we're doing it 
the rabbit way, if you like. Um, it's making sure that it works in the rabbit context and not just sitting there like an awkward add-on. <laughs> I think you you might be in very good company there. I'm, my mind goes to Postgres and when they introduced JSON support and essentially blew most existing document stores out of the water with what how they implemented uh, their JSON store. And they were already essentially the most well-respected relational database out there. And then they added a feature that was entirely, <laughs> entire other database essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Rabbit is the de facto messaging and, and queuing solution. I, I know there are others, but I don't know any of them that I would stand up to, to take that workload. Like I've, I've seen a lot of people try to use Redis for queues, which can work for some, some cases, but like if you want a, a queue and you're not using a cloud proprietary one, Rabbit is the one I, I know of that I'd consistently look at. And I think queues are slightly less uh, mandatory compared to like a SQL database, like Postgres is probably in more installs than RabbitMQ, I'd wager. But I think uh, I think the projects are similarly positioned in that way. That's it's good company to be in. Yeah, I, th I think I mean it certainly is very popular. It's, someone said that wherever wherever company you go and you always find a server somewhere that's got Rabbit running on it, whether it's used or not. That's another question, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's good to be considered, right? That's, that's, that's what you want from a product. You don't necessarily want everyone to to use it just just because it is. You know, they need to make sure that it works for them. But you know, being in the pool you, is a good thing. Sorry. No, not at all. Not at all. So RabbitMQ implements the AMQP protocol. Um, there are other, you know, applications or servers that implement the AMQP protocol. Um, has there been any indication that other um, I guess server providers are interested in implementing the stream protocol yet? No. Um, I think the stream prot protocol would very much be a proprietary RabbitMQ protocol. Uh, and if, if we're gonna, kind of going to go into the AMQP parts, which probably worthwhile, just a quick mention. RabbitMQ's primary protocol is AM, AMQP 0.9.1, which is uh, not a final release protocol. Um, years later, um, they released the RabbitMQ, the AMQP 1.0 protocol, which is the sort of the, the ratified protocol for AMQP. That is the AMQP protocol. RabbitMQ implements RabbitMQ, uh, AMQP uh, 1.0 as a, as a plugin. So you can use AMQP 1.0, and I'm sure we will be doing more work around this in the, in the future, but RabbitMQ itself uses AMQP 0.91, which now effectively is the only broker that does. There might be old versions of some other brokers that do it, but most of them have moved to AMQP 1.0 solely or, or only. But RabbitMQ is very much tied to the AMQP 0.91 internal models. And we've kind of been, been maintaining that with some extensions. So it's effectively a proprietary protocol as well. Um, other people, uh, other, other services use um, AMQP 1.0 for, for their streaming products, like um, like the Azure offering, the Event Hubs offering, which uh, offer a similar facility. Um, but yeah, no, there's been no interest in using the actual stream protocol. It's very much tied to, to RabbitMQ. Yeah, from Arnaud's description, it also sounds like it is very, like it's kept fairly minimal. Sounds like you're, avoiding serialization at different layers and and keeping it very lean yes. and i imagine that also makes it less useful as a sort of general protocol for other people to to adapt while i don't think amqp was born in rabbit but rather rabbit adopted it because it was a standard and that's also probably the reason why amqp has Features and probably misfeatures that uh, that Rabbit and all other 
compatible brokers and queues need to deal with because open standards tend to tend to grow <laughs> yeah yeah the, the stream protocol uh, yeah we tried to keep it as simple as possible um so we are there's a few commands maybe 20 something like that for some details but mainly it's uh you know publish publish confirm consume uh, send me more messages something like that there's no um there's no actually uh, any format for the messages so you can just send a, a bunch of bytes for messages you know it's the the client job and this um you know it's an array of bytes basically and then this uh, these bytes are uh, go directly to the storage layer uh, and they come back to <laughs> from the storage layer to the to some client for consumption um, you know uh, the same same bytes so basically the serialization uh, the encoding of messages it, it must be done by clients and uh, there we we actually chose to uh, use mqp uh, 1.0 message format so we have a small part of uh, uh, mqp 1.0 in our in, in the stream streams because as a convention, we uh, tell you know uh, client libraries to use MQP 1.0 uh, and a message format for their messages. They don't have to, but they should. Uh, so if you do uh, streams to uh, stream to stream um, you know um, traffic in your application, that's fine as long as your uh, publishers and consumers understand each other they use the same encoding message encoding but if you for example uh, publish messages to uh, a stream and then you want to consume uh, from this stream using mqp091 you need some uh, your the, the broker need to provide some mqp091 message to the consuming client right so we need conversion so uh, in this case we convert we expect mqp 1.0 uh, inside streams to convert them to 091 and send them to clients okay uh, so this is as you said basically it's uh, uh, the protocol itself uh, does not mandate any format or encoding for messages but we try to choose uh, an appropriate one and mqp 1.0 is one of them because you just have to you know it's a uh, it's a powerful uh, message format with you know uh, with support for many types and so on um, and um, this also uh, 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 this also means that we tried actually to uh, uh, integrate streams as a first-class citizen, as Carl uh, said in the beginning. So um, we, uh, when we integrated streams, uh, you see them as, as queues inside the management UI, inside the REST API. Uh, we have also uh, CLI commands. Um, so uh, uh, streams are not just an add-on. They have, you know, they are fully integrated in the RabbitMQ infrastructure. With the commands and CLI and so on, and we do all the conversions. We <laughs> so as long as you have uh, MQP 1.0 messages inside your streams, um, you can uh, consume them from uh, MQTT uh, or Stomp, whatever. Uh, but we actually expect to do uh, uh, the other way around, like publishing with MQTT to a to a stream, and consuming uh, with the stream protocol. But uh, as a general purpose broker, uh, interoperability, interoperability is really important to us and we wanted streams to fit into that model. And so that's interesting because that sounds like it keeps the protocol really lean and mean, but then some of the features impose an expectation on having AMQP 1.0 that format so that you can provide some interoperability and if you really really wanted you could just ship like uh, some some binary encoded json in utf8 but you'd be you'd be throwing out some features and you would have to manage your own clients 
because that's your own problem. Uh, yeah, sounds that sounds like a really interesting approach, and it it makes it clear how you could shift those barriers to to sort of message speed and how how much faster it could go that way. Are there particular things you would like to see people explore with RabbitMQ streams? Are there sort of things you have in the back of your minds like this is what I really would like to see people do with this or parts of it that they should push or unique uh, possibilities that the RabbitMQ functionality combined with streams could provide that you don't think anyone else could? The one I mentioned of, of, of sort of adding it on as an archiving tool is, uh, or, or as a sort of an analytics um, sort of offshoot, um, I think that would be a one that I would like to see people do that certainly integrates very well. Um, but even for people who really need very simple messaging case and high throughput, it could be a really good option as well because it does provide high throughput. Um, and just if you just need to get messages in and out, but also need to have them on disk and replicated so that they are safe, <laughs> right? The, it, it's it, it's a good option. If you want, if you're very very concerned about the, sa the data safety, you should be using quorum queues because they provide the kind of one not not sharp in terms of the data safety. But streams are pretty much very nearly there. They replicate all the data by default. Everything is. Um, you don't get any publisher confirms until you know you've got a quorum of of of, of data rep replicated. So um, that's what I would like to say. Oh no, do you, do you have any good use cases that you thought? Basically, the um, the use cases I mentioned uh, in the blog post, for example. So uh, I would really like people to have maybe uh, this lean adoption. You know, they just they have their existing systems. They just upgrade to three nine. Uh, and they add streams here and there, uh, unless they want to adapt, you know, everything, I mean, for immediately. I was thinking also if people are a bit shy, they don't want to, uh, you know, uh, go uh, live with streams, they could build some, you know, uh, logging system, internal uh, stuff they need in their internal tools they need, in their, they need in their company. Like usually it's a logging system. So it could be a good fit, for example, to, uh, you know, feed some uh, Elasticsearch cluster, for example, to index your logs, uh, that kind of things. Analytics would be interesting as well. Uh, imagine, uh, you know, people, they can read all the, the previous day data from the stream. Uh, and consolidate them uh, and this in a very quick way uh, because reading is very fast. Uh, that kind of use cases, yeah. using the stream protocol because I mean, if it's only about processing, it should be quite easy to embed in an application. One of the last things I wanted to touch on was uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote a blog post on um, study of RabbitMQ and setting up the Prometheus uh, plugin and, and setting up the Grafana dashboards to kind of observe your uh, uh, your queues and the, the throughput there. I'm curious, does the Prometheus plugin support uh, you know, capturing metrics on streams? And perhaps, you know, what are some things that uh, that plugin captures on streams that are maybe unique to streams, but not, uh, not queues? I honestly don't know. <laughs> we do have do, counters and metrics. We do have counters, yes. Yeah. Yes. Whether they are emitted by the Prometheus. We, we have a dashboard for streams. We do have a dashboard, but I, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't revisited that for for some time. So there's certainly a lot of potential of things that you could you could display. Um, but I'm guessing um, because we don't really have enough feedback to know exactly what people want to see, it hasn't really been spent a lot of time on, on that particular feature it's like you have some experiments to run alex i was gonna say i think that's my action item is to update <laughs> that old blog post yeah. for streams and rerun it and uh, see what the experiment yields we know it takes some time for people to adopt these new features even after a few months the the release uh, came out that was the same for chrome queues because you know people need to upgrade sometimes so it takes time you they have to plan that 
Uh, and you can have new users, but maybe they won't be using uh, this very feature. Uh, so sometimes it takes a few months. Some people uh, uh, were actually not complaining, but expecting to have features like consumer groups. Um, yeah, they, they, they heard about uh, RabbitMQ streams and they expected to have Kafka in RabbitMQ. Uh, so we don't have it yet. <laughs> so, um, I mean, um, uh, scaling, partitioning, that kind of things that Kafka provide. Um, uh, people uh, expected to have it uh, uh, in RabbitMQ. We plan to have something like that, providing the same features, but not exactly the same semantics and so on. But it looks like that people who actually wanted Kafka in RabbitMQ <laughs> before uh, using streams uh, as you know a simple stream or a regular stream. Uh, it's quite interesting sometimes. Carl, I imagine if you're not working on the client side, you're you're doing a lot of the the Erlang work here. I don't know, Arnaud, if you if you spend much time with Erlang in your day to day, but a 15 year old Erlang code base, how is that to to live and work in? Well, the um, it's fine. Like the Erlang language hasn't changed in the last 15 years, has it? So it's exactly the same. Um, it's it, it's yeah. No, it's a it's a good question. Um, it it's fine. Some of the some of the patterns are kind of grown a little bit old, and there's a, sometimes you hit a little bit of code that's sort of been there for a long time. But it really isn't too bad. We it's been worked on since then, and, and the code has been upgraded. You know, as features have been added, as you know, more knowledge has happened. So part 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 of our approach though is to develop separate components that we then integrate. And that's sort of what we did with streams. That's what we did with quorum queues and the raft library and, 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 and so on. So that's one way we kind of deal with the whole gorilla, right? <laughs> you know, and, and trying to sort of step outside of that and develop the core there and then, and then run an integration and take it as a dependency. And that's uh, on that note, I just, like to mention at some point maybe it's some of the um the libraries that that we use um that are separate standalone uh Erlang libraries that you can just take a dependency on from from hex like um one one that streams use internally which is is quite a useful abstraction is the um the gen batch server which is quite a simple uh sort of gen family um compatible um server that internally um provides like a natural batching over over its own mailbox so that's how we kind of it kind of the batches grow as the throughput increases and we, we use that they're very good for sort of sync like processes that have a lot of you know messages coming in and but don't do a lot of sort of coming out um so we use that one inside ra we use it inside streams it's the main thing that kind of determines how bit big the internal stream batches are or the chunks as we call them um, and then we use the raw library to write the coordinator inside RabbitMQ to handle uh, the um, failover for streams. You know, if a if a node with a with a primary uh, stream leader goes down, we we run an election process using a, a separate stream coordinator that's implemented as a raft machine. Um, uh, and obviously, there's the Osiris library as well, which is. Uh, uh, independent yeah so i had to go into to the github org here and just filter for for erlang repositories and yeah for one thing uh seems like there's an egyptian theme to some of some of the naming we have a cyrus yep. raw i bet kepri is also something yeah something it is indeed yeah thing. yeah that's right yeah there's also atten which is um, a failure detector which is used by by ra um osiris there's also seshat which is a counters library for for fast counters in erlang so several of these would be useful outside of RabbitMQ. is that the idea that's the idea yeah so traditionally RabbitMQ has been a one big project with, with no sort of independent component that sort of the community can make use of but in the last few years we've sort of taken a different approach and tried to put you know, push towards creating smaller reusable components that we can then get community contributions from. Ara certainly has been used by others 
and we have co contributions from that. That's great. Hmm. So I have one thing that I, I'm just curious to ask, which I think will get a no, but is it possible to just embed RabbitMQ in an Erlang application or an Elixir application? It's possible, but I don't see why you would want to do it. <laughs> Probably fair. So this idea has come up a few times with just sort of trying to make every, like put everything into your Erlang application and have it be sort of self-contained. And that has, that has some niceties, but for sort of persisting and storing, it seems like that's, that's probably the one thing you do outside of your, yeah. of your system. But then again, some people use amnesia with good success. So. Well, Rabbit and Key uses Amnesia, but uh, to great success. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> that could be another episode. Yeah, that could be another episode. But we, we're looking to replace Amnesia uh, with uh, with Kepri, as you mentioned. You saw on your list that's a uh, that's our uh, a database that we're working on at the moment um, to to replace Amnesia as a metadata store inside Rabbit and Key to make it less sensitive towards sort of network disturbance and, and, so, and so on. So uh, just go back on the uh, embedding RabbitMQ. Certainly for, for a long time, RabbitMQ has had um, and still has what we call a direct connection. So you can use distributed Erlang to connect the AMQP, the Erlang AMQP client that we provide directly to RabbitMQ without using a, a TCP socket, right? Apart from the distributed Erlang one. So I guess the idea was always there that you, you could embed RabbitMQ inside, inside your Erlang application. One problem you probably would encounter if you try to do that is that RabbitMQ is a bit weird. Um, it, it's not a normal Erlang application, although we would like to get to that point at some point. It's um, less unusual than it used to be, but it's still, still different in how it starts, how it runs. So you would probably have to sort of bridge all sorts of nasty things in order for it to work really well with your Erlang application. And then it behaves weirdly when things happen, not weird, not weirdly in the sense that it does the wrong thing, but it might not be what you expect it to do inside your cluster. So it's probably better to keep RabbitMQ as a separate thing and just, just use the, you know, the, the protocols that are available to integrate with it. That sounds like the wise move, but maybe not the most fun one. All right, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. You said you said probably possible, probably not recommended. That's much better than no. <laughs> yeah, or everything everything is possible, but yeah, whether it's a good idea or not, that's that's kind of what we're talking about. Right? <laughs> I think that brings us up to about the time we had. So thank you very much, both of you, for coming on the show. Pleasure. Another shout out to Groxio for providing the editing services that they do and providing career fuel for programmers. And we will talk to you next time. Hi. Thank you. That was that was great, guys. Thanks for yeah. thanks for coming on. That was I feel like we got some free consulting here, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> RabbitMQ on Beam Radio, the sequel. Let's talk about amnesia. <laughs> <laughs>